It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. The Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. The week's most interesting interviews with senators, commentators, and newsmakers. Giving you a replay just in case you missed it. The Guy Benson Show. Sunday, check your local listings. I'll be on the panel this weekend. Also, hit the or host, I should say, of the hit podcast, Live in the Bream. She's a best-selling author as well. Shannon, it is so good to have you back. Hello. My friend, it's great to be with you, and I'm so excited you'll be with us Sunday. I'm excited to be on the panel. In fact, you know what? I am just now remembering. Hang on. Let me pull up my little Twitter app here, and I want to find here it is, a photograph at Reagan Airport yesterday, I ran oh. across this as I had uh, arrived home from a trip. This is maybe yeah yesterday morning. It was a smiling face of one familiar character advertising Fox News Sunday at the airport. I'm like, wait a second, I know her. Took a couple photos. I need to tweet this. Uh, that's kind of cool seeing a, like it a is, billboard so, of yourself. Right. It's funny, and I and I usually fly in and out of Reagan probably once a week or every two weeks, and so I haven't seen it yet. But I've had so many people send it to me, and they're like, are you taking over the airport? What's happening? I'm like, yep, we bought out Southwest and rebranded. So I'm like, my face is at every gate, and I'm now <laughs> operating the airline, apparently. Well, for many years in airports, there was only one channel available to be watched, and uh, it wasn't ours. So that would be a massive upgrade if it's just the Shannon Bream Network in airports as like a a captive audience, I would 100% sign up for that. Shannon, there's a lot to get to here. Obviously, the news has just been wild. The first two weeks of the new year, we're not getting eased into the news cycle. That's not happening. We had the speaker battle last week, and now all this stuff with President Biden, the classified materials, the blizzard of, I would say, hackery and double standards and people trying to make excuses – We now have a second special counsel. We have a special counsel looking into this on Trump. Now we have a special counsel looking into this same type of thing with Biden. It's almost hard to keep track of the various investigations. There's still the John Durham thing floating out there. There's the Hunter Biden probe out there. There's other investigations into Donald Trump. It's just like a very tangled web that even when it's like our job to remember what's happening, it kind of gets challenging at times. Right. I need like the beautiful mind situation where you've got the <laughs> strings going here and the thumbtacks there and the stuff all on the wall just to keep track. Like you said, of all these, there are state investigations, there are federal investigations. There's a lot to keep track of. And listen, we're already informally into 2024. Um, former President Trump has announced he's officially in. The buzz had been here in Washington that President Trump was getting ready to announce in the next few weeks that he's in. So we're, we're fully into that. And you know, the DOJ has always had this practice of trying not to influence elections by anything they do. So the clock is now ticking on both of these. Um, Does one finish first and the other finish second? Does one person get charged and the other get charged? I mean, there's so much uh, now on the weight of the Attorney General Merrick Garland on the DOJ as people are going to be watching about how these cases, which have similarities and, listen, to be fair, significant differences, but how they're handled is going to be very closely watched because these two men um, are likely both to be in officially soon and running for the presidency in the midst of these investigations. That's right. And look, I keep beating this drum to anyone who will listen. I think the Trump versus Biden side by side is somewhat interesting. 
and relevant in terms of figuring out what might come or not come of this. I think the more relevant one is Hillary Clinton and the decision not to prosecute when mm-hmm. she was I just dead to rights for something that I've argued was much worse. So I just don't see how you can decide to let her off the hook, at least in that way, and then file charges against Trump or Biden, frankly, given what happened or didn't happen to Hillary. But also, like, at some point, maybe these people at the very top of our political system aren't the best examples to make, except, you know, what's the point of having rules if it becomes effectively clear that you can break them if you're just high enough up in the government? I mean, that's sort of part of what worries me here. I'm not saying that there should be charges as a result now uh, against one of these two men, um, you know, even though it didn't happen with Hillary. It just overall, I just don't think it's a healthy thing. The law and the rules need to matter. They need to apply to everyone. And if they don't, what's the point of having them? And they've already sort of indicated they don't really apply to Hillary. And so why should they apply to Trump? I mean, I, I don't like framing it that way, but I think there's something there. Well, you think about, you know, folks are reminding us of other similar cases that have gone on. A civilian Pentagon employee last year who took classified documents to her hotel room got sentenced to jail over that. Um, We know the story of the guy on the submarine who took pictures to share with his family and got in trouble. I mean, they're if real people, quote unquote, real people who aren't running for president or at the level of living in the White House are having real jail time over well, these the um, potential documents, you know, people can argue about whether that's an overprosecution or not. But if we know that people at an, a, a higher level, um, a, a more elite, a more protected level are not getting in trouble for the same things, no American wants to see that regardless of their party. It's not no, a partisan issue. You want to know that you would not get thrown in jail for something that the White House would get a pass on. Well, like if you're a little person, right? If you're a little person who's not that important and doesn't have, you know, a whole bunch of uh, political strings attached with partisan implications, if you get in trouble, they're going to throw the book at you in order to really underscore and highlight the point how seriously we have to take these things. Unless, asterisk, you're part of this, what, protected class of high-level politicians, uh, especially on one side of the aisle. I just think that sends an absolutely awful message. By the way, I just have to tell you, Shannon, interjecting, I did tweet, literally, while we're sitting here, I did tweet that photo from DCA (laughs) of you at the airport, and I immediately got a response from one of our other colleagues who got a photo of you and the billboard in Times Square. So, I mean, look, it's just, it's it's bream time everywhere. It's very exciting. only my mom is not going to be sick of it at some point. Um, (laughs) I'm going to raise my hand. I'm not sick of it. I could get a lot more (laughs) bream here before I get tired of it. Shannon, I made this point last night. I was on special report on the panel with Brett, and we played earlier in the show the clip of our colleague Peter Ducey asking the question. The way he asked it of Biden yesterday, he had seen, and I was talking a little bit, texting with Peter last night uh, after all of this, he spent a lot of time in Delaware with Biden covering Joe Biden during his run for the presidency, which was largely done from Delaware in the basement, so to speak. So a lot of downtime. Ducey was familiar with that property. He remembered that's where the Corvette was. So he asked the question the way that he did. And on a day that the White House clearly didn't want to make any additional news or say much of anything at all, he was able to induce the president into making, I think, uh, I would call it an unforced error, but it was sort of a little bit forced by Peter based on the question Cut one. Here's what it sounded like. Classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, we're going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, 
people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage, okay? So it's not like you're sitting out in the street. So but anyway. It's in a locked garage. Yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, but as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. Now, maybe not um, because of what we're learning here, Shannon, but he had a prepared little statement there from the team to read. But because Peter brought up the Corvette, it just like clicked something in Biden's mind where he had to respond. And I don't think he helped himself at all by saying, oh, well, the garage locks, not like it was out on the street, which is nowhere near the legal standard here. I can imagine being one of Biden's lawyers watching that and saying, no, 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 that is not read the thing. I think that was an interesting moment. Yeah, and you know, uh, Peter, who is so excellent at his job, and we um, celebrate him every day, you know, he didn't get called on today. And, and of course, Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, has pressed over and over again today. And Peter said, you know, the, the president is heading home to Wilmington today, where we're told that two of these discoveries happened, of these two different classified documents. And so Peter very cheekily had a question planned that he was going to ask, why would the president be returning to a potential crime scene? Um, so it's probably to KJP's benefit that she did not call on him today. Um, But he does have a way with the president. I think they have an interesting relationship, and he's able to get to him to get those answers and things that are off the talking points that his, um, you know, team probably doesn't want to hear him talking about. Um, Our our colleague, Annie McCarthy, over here at Fox, who is a former federal prosecutor, said, based on what the president has admitted to so far, you don't even need to investigate. Like, you've got all the elements of the crime for prosecution. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to happen, but he said he has admitted these were classified documents He's admitted they were in a completely unsecured space, and that's basically what the law is about, those two things. We have Andy McCarthy coming up in the next hour, and we're going to pick his brain further on exactly that point and what the legal standard is and politically what this might look like moving forward. Meanwhile, Shannon, before this whole story broke, like a – you know, I did not have – as they like to say on the uh, early 2023 bingo card, a giant multifaceted <laughs> classified document scandal involving the current president beyond what we already saw from the previous president. But here we are. Before that exploded into the headlines, the big story was the border crisis and the president's trip to Mexico City and then also to the U.S.-Mexico border right before that. Was it a real visit? Did he learn anything? He saw no migrants. That was sort of uh, the battle that was happening I know that you have uh, a congressman, we'll talk about this later on, a border congressman on your show this coming weekend. But what I think is sort of interesting, I don't know if you saw this headline from Bloomberg. This is what they reported about that Mexico City visit and the summit that the president was, uh, was at. Quote, U.S. and Mexican cabinet officials ran out of time before discussing migration in a formal meeting in Mexico City on Monday, according to people familiar with the matter, leaving a major issue between the countries largely unaddressed. I have to say that on some level is just shocking to me. I know that this president doesn't really seem to care very much about the border crisis, but just the sheer numbers in terms of millions of annual crossings, six to 7,000 a day, people dying Border Patrol agents committing suicide. I mean, the terrorist watch list, you just go on and on about all the components of this, humanitarian, national sovereignty, public safety. It is a giant, huge crisis at that border between these two countries. And the high-level officials on either side of this ran out of time 
before they could even address it in a serious way. It, it wasn't at the top of the agenda. To me, that is really uh, outrageous. Yeah, and I think most people thought that was going to be a primary topic of these meetings. I mean, it's, it's very it much be? an issue for these three countries. It's interesting because President Biden has said, oh, we spent a lot of time talking about migration. Then you've got the president of Mexico saying, uh, it was kind of hit in a very broad manner. And then this Bloomberg report that they ran out of time. Um, I think most people seeing the president go to that meeting expected that's what it was going to be about. We've been told that it's not just one thing or another. There are all these root causes and those have to be handled. Well, that's those are the countries that you go and talk to about it. So it seems confusing. But again, when the president was he's getting praise from Democrats who had publicly called him out saying, you need to get down here. This is a big issue. It's not a partisan issue. They're giving him credit for at least going. But of course, the fact that El Paso was sanitized and that he didn't really get to see the worst of what's going on down there, others are just going to call it a photo op. And, you know, if there aren't big policy changes, they blame Republicans in Congress. They say they won't come to the table and, and negotiate with them. And they put something out in a piece of form of legislation, draft legislation. Republicans will say it's nonsensical. It's not a real deal. And he's expended no political capital in the last two years to talk to us about this. So, you know, the two sides don't seem to have much in common other than they, they agree there's a massive problem. Let's talk about Sunday's show. Obviously, your major all-star featured guest is yours truly on the panel, but there are some other folks as well uh, who will be on the program Sunday well, morning. Uh, let's talk about the standalone guests first, a couple of lawmakers. Who's on? Okay, uh, in a distant second to you on the panel and on the show <laughs> on Sunday, we've got members of Congress from either side, Democrat John Garamendi and Congressman of Republican Tony Gonzalez. The Repo Listen, the Republicans have pledged to investigate everything over in the House, and now with these Biden documents, that's adding fuel to that fire. But we also got word today from the Treasury Secretary that the debt limit, we're going to hit it in a few days. So can these two sides work together on anything? Uh, we've also got the youngest governor in the country, just sworn in newly, Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Um, she came out um, with guns blazing, I think we could say, on these executive orders and things that she's working on. And I'm going to talk to her about those and um, also whether she plans to publicly or privately support her former boss in his run for the presidency. I see here on the uh, tentative rundown something about a civil discourse panel. What's that? Mm -hmm. You know what? I love these two professors who don't agree on much of anything, but they are really good friends. Robbie George out of Princeton and Cornell West out of Harvard. Um, on policy issues, they're very diametrically opposed. Um, they're different ends of the political spectrum, but they love each other, and they have such a beautiful relationship and say, you should be able to talk about the worst, toughest, most difficult topics, still walk away as friends and love each other. And I think... We're missing that. And and just to see them and, and to be a witness to this conversation, I think people will, I hope, be really inspired by it to do the same in our own lives. So that's the civil discourse panel. Then we'll move to the uncivil discourse panel featuring myself, Juan Williams, <laughs> Horace Cooper, Olivia Beavers. I mean, just a bonanza of news this week. So much mm -hmm. to talk about. I'm looking forward to it. Check your local listings, your local Fox stations on Sunday morning. The show repeats on Fox News Channel later in the day, I believe a couple of times. Shannon Bream, the anchor, she's on billboards everywhere, airports, Times Square. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you just look around. Shannon's everywhere. And she also has the podcast, Live in the Bream. Buy and read her books. So much going on. Shannon, can't wait to see you in person on Sunday. Looking forward to it. See you then, guy. That's Shannon Bream on The Guy Benson Show, back right after this. Show. 
That was this week's edition of the Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.